and welcome to Bit Party, a show where we take minor details from popular movies and use them to create ideas for new movies that we then sell to Hollywood for $4 million. In this week's movie, we follow one of pop culture's most iconic characters on a quest to regain his heavily accessorized bicycle. This is Kiwi's Big Adventure. Listening to Bit Party. My name is Brendan Cotta. My name is Jared Cotta. My name is Marshall Cotta. And today we are happy to introduce a guest on our show. Jamie, do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Jamie Lake. Thank you for joining us, Jamie. Jamie's our cousin, and she has decided to come on, or she has graciously uh, agreed to agreed to us. help us with our with our uh, podcast after Landis has departed the show. <laughs> I am honored, honored to be here. <laughs> well, we're really honored to have you, be- not only because you are our wonderful cousin and we love you so much, but also because you are a new star yeah. on oh. uh, Nickelodeon. <laughs> I wouldn't say new star. I'm a lucky a lucky girl who's gotten a lucky role on a show called I Am Frankie on Nickelodeon. <laughs> That's awesome. What was it like to uh, film with Nickelodeon? Well, first and foremost, it was amazing because it was in Miami, where you guys are, and I got That's to see right. a lot, which was like the biggest bonus. But it was just a great experience. This is my first television show, and to kind of, I come from a theater background, and mm-hmm. it's just a whole different world. It's much faster. There's so much more material. You're learning constantly, learning lines. I think my script was, you know, a good four inches thick at least. Oh, wow. like, it was intense, but it was so yeah. fun. The cast is great. You know, production, everybody involved was wonderful and welcoming. And it was just a really cool experience, not having had much of that experience before. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. we really enjoyed having you in Miami, and yeah. uh, we're really excited to, to watch the show. Yeah, we're excited to have you. It'll be a nice change to have someone with, like, talent and a creative background on hey. the show. Yeah. <laughs> you of course, we very talented and creative. <laughs> we assume that you're the first celebrity of many that will uh, grace our, our airwaves. But, but we also wanted to note that since you're a Nickelodeon star, and we all grew up watching Nickelodeon, so we know it's for, for kids and, and now maybe some younger adults, we want to keep this show uh, clean and, and uh, PG for the mm-hmm. most part because uh, because we think it's important for for the fans that you have now garnered uh, with your with your celebrity status. With my new I th- yeah. <laughs> with your new and as long theory. as they only listen to this one episode, we'll right. be in the clear. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, thank you. Yeah. The the first thing that we do, Jamie, is we we talk a little bit about how we're keeping up with pop culture or what we're enjoying besides the film that we watched. And and actually, let me let me say, Marshall, do you want to tell us what film we watched this week? Yes, this week we watched Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That's right, and we picked that movie because I think it's your favorite movie, right, Jamie? Or one it of? It is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Yes. Awesome. It was really fun getting to watch this with you. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that was the best part, watching it with you guys. Oh, heavens. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Before we get into the plot summary, I just want to check to see how everybody's keeping up with pop culture and what, what everybody's been watching lately. So, uh, Brendan, what, what have you been watching? I've been watching uh, a lot of The Office. It's been kind of my new go-to. Like, I get off work, I just want something that I can relax and turn off to. 
I, I'm noticing that it has like better rewatchability than a lot of similar shows that came out around the same time. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I'm also noting that it's like really depressing a lot of the times. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. Yeah. How they make a they make a point to like talk about how talented a lot of the people in the office are, but they're just trapped yeah. under this They're mired dingus. in this in this terrible job. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realize that. Uh, when I was watching it the first time, but I guess when you watch it back to back to back, it sort of has that. Yeah, it's like soul crushing, but <laughs> in like a funny way. <laughs> I've never thought of it in that way, but I guess you're totally right. Like in a sense, although like yeah. they find happiness and love in it as well. Like a lot of they like they, they, they entertain sure. their, themselves. Marshall, what have you been watching? So I've been watching Dexter recently. Yeah, um, that's a good one. What's your favorite way that he murders somebody? Ooh. Oh my! Or does he always do it the same way? I haven't watched it in a long time. Does he always chop them up into little bits and drop I, them in uh, Miami? So. And in you the, know, in the bay. <laughs> oh, really? That's right. <laughs> in Biscayne Bay. The most unrealistic part is that he's never run into someone else doing the same thing in Miami. <laughs> it's yeah. like he parks his boat and there's someone oh, yeah. stopping bodies. Yeah, it doesn't make sense that he, he goes out onto <laughs> Biscayne Bay and there's not another person dumping right? bodies or drugs <laughs> or something. Right. Um, but that one's good. It's a really good show, Marshall. I will warn you, though, if you've reached season five, you've gone too far. Really? Yeah, you know? yeah it loses a lot of its impact, I think, after. I, yeah. I couldn't finish the uh, series itself. But no, but that's... the first four are really, really good, I thought. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Not to change the tone or anything, but I have not been watching a show so much as reading one of Anthony Bourdain's book books, A Cook's Tour, and I was I was obviously deeply saddened by his passing, and mm-hmm. yeah. I, I don't want to dwell on it for too long, but he was definitely one of my heroes. So I remember a lot of his episodes of No Reservations and uh, Parts Unknown definitely inspired travel for me in the in the future. So that's cool. It's it's unfortunate that he uh, has passed, but yeah. I'm gonna try and move his legacy or or honor his legacy in uh, in the ways that he would have wanted i think yeah. i think a lot of people are too you know what i mean like i think he really inspired a lot of people in that way to travel yeah to to you know really kind of look into history of these places and the food and the culture definitely okay. so i think i think he inspired people to appreciate that what is which is unfamiliar and not shy away from these new experiences so much so he and definitely cool. connected the world and it's i've heard that he's he was actually a really great writer, which I think gave what? him such a unique voice yeah. Like when he did his show. Oh, yeah, he was an excellent... I think yeah. that he wrote a lot of what his monologues are in, oh, wow. in the show. Totally. So anyways, that's that's what I've been uh, enjoying. But, uh, Jamie, what, well, what have you been watching? Oh, well, I have been watching the wonderfully hilarious Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> yeah. um, I realize, it was comedy. God. I didn't realize it was comedy. Honestly, that show is absolutely incredible and absolutely frightening. It's uh, you know a dystopian society where women can only certain women can bear children anymore. So they just I don't want to like give too much away for those who have not taken the time. Mm-hmm. to watch yeah. this masterpiece but they're you know surviving in this world that's been taken over by oh, crazy people <laughs> just... <laughs> oh, so it's a, so it's a historical account <laughs> yeah, so truly actually and it is quite frightening it's like hmm i could see this happening um i was watching it by myself memorial day weekend and he got through first couple of episodes and I had eaten a lot of jalapeno that day. And I was just like, <laughs> I, 
man, I think this jalapeno has made my stomach hurt. And then I realized I was like, no, this show is making me feel sick. And like it could be real. And from a female perspective, it's just like frightening, but it is wonderful. The acting is so hard. Like that, what they're doing, I, I just don't know. Like it's, they're incredibly talented and I highly recommend watching it. Super so yeah, yeah. That's a really good recommendation. <laughs> so, everyone out there, watch sequel to Mad Men. Uh, yeah. The Handmaid's Tale. Real. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, Mad Men spinoff, <laughs> starring Peggy. <laughs> exactly. That is really cool. I'm I'm gonna have to check it out. I've heard nothing yeah. but good things. Oh and, yeah, it uh, sounds your, great. Your summary of it makes it really compelling. Oh man. It's good. I want to get into a little bit of this plot summary, and we try not to take too much time because we really want to get to the the delicious the meat, meat of, the, <laughs> of the show. But it's important to cover some of the the basics of the of the film that we've been watching. So, uh, but before we start, let me just say this movie was terrifying to watch. Really, it was just like it's the character of Pee Wee is like unnerving. <laughs> in how disconnected from reality he is. I don't think it's... Well, okay, so I think that... what So this was the first collaboration between Tim Burton and Danny Elfman. Yeah. Oh, man. So that's maybe the terrifying part, that just that, that overtone that he has on a film. But that's, that's really amazing. I think that that's one of the best facts about this film. Yeah. Is I that it's, it's really Tim cool. Burton's first full-length feature. It is. Danny Elfman, if only Danny Elfman knew what he was getting into. He said, Danny Elfman said, you know, Tim Burton had contacted him. He was a huge fan of Boingo Boingo. And this was Danny Elfman's first time ever um, doing music for a feature. Like, this was wow. his first time orchestrating. And he said hearing his music for the first time was so, you know, with an orchestra was, like, intoxicating for him. He absolutely I loved bet. it. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure. And that's why he's been making the same music <laughs> for every other movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he hasn't stopped. Another another interesting fact that I think we need to mention before we get into the summary is that the film, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, came before the TV show, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah. Okay, right. I couldn't remember. So, so this, yeah, I guess this was just like a character that Paul Rubens had done, like that, just as a comedy routine that Tim Burton decided to work with him and make into a movie. Much like a Larry the Cable Guy. Exactly like a Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> like a stand, he was like a stand-up comedian first? He, he was. He, did ha he had sort of a stand-up act. It was more of an act, you know, and he played that silly, goofy, like, man-child yeah. that we love. He did the night, nightly talk show run and everything like that before getting picked up. And he tried out for Saturday Night Live, even. Oh, really? was not picked You're up. You're kidding me. No, that's true. Pee Wee Herman was he tried out for oh. SNL. Wow. That's nuts. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, there's tons of Pee-wee facts we can get into, but I'm going to get into Pee-wee's big adventure. Morning, Mr. Breakfast! <laughs> can I have some Mr. T cereal? The film starts off, we're introduced to the eccentric Pee-wee Herman. He lives in a very nice house that is equipped with a Rue Goldberg machine <laughs> to make him breakfast. <laughs> the biggest one ever. Uh, right after he eats a little bit of breakfast uh, of Mr. T's cereal. <laughs> <laughs> we are introduced to his... According to Wikipedia, heavily accessorized bicycle, yes. <laughs> and it <laughs> and it's his most prized possession. But it's also coveted by Francis Buxton, 
one of Pee Wee's neighbors, and I th- yeah, Pee Wee is. They make it very obvious that he is a self-made man, and Francis has inherited all of his wealth from his uh, his dad. In one version of Pee Wee, Jamie, did you say this that in one of the movies he is revealed to be a, an inventor? Yes, he. Am I okay, that up? so in no. Big Top Pee Wee, uh, he <laughs> is the inventor of the first hot dog tree. That's, that's less inventing yeah. and more tampering in God's domain. Yeah. So yeah, uh, interesting. So I guess that's how but he actually, made his. That's how he made his fortune. He has his house and his giant Rube Goldberg machine. And so Pee Wee is obsessed with his bike. He loves his bike. Uh, we already see a little bit of foreshadowing of the conflict with Francis uh, also coveting the bike. Why don't you make me? Why don't you make me? Because I don't make monkeys. I just trade them. As the movie goes on, he goes down to the mall to do some shopping for at the magic sh- shop because, you know, he's a man child. <laughs> we also introduce to his uh, his love interest, or it's more of a one sided interest, Dottie. Uh, she has a huge crush on Pee Wee, and she also is the person that helps him fix up his bike. You don't want to get mixed up with a guy like me. I'm a loner, Dottie. A rebel. Well, while he's in the bike shop buying a new horn, he apparently the bike is stolen because when he comes back out to where he had locked it up, it's com- it's gone. Yep. Well, he obviously thinks that it's Francis because who else would it be? So he confronts Francis, but uh, could not prove at that time that Francis was the one that stole the bike, although yeah. we later find out that it was indeed him. But because Pee-wee is so relentless about getting this bike back. Francis freaks out, and he decides to ship it off somewhere or have it destroyed or, or yeah. get get rid of it, is what he says to, to the... To the greaser. Yeah, to the greaser that stole it. Yeah. <laughs> right. But to Pee-wee's kind of obsession with getting his bike, it leads him to a fortune teller. Mm-hmm. Madam Ruby. Madam Ruby tells Pee-wee, she lies to Pee-wee, and tells him that his bike is stored in the basement of the Alamo in San Antonio. <laughs> So that's in Texas, and Pee Wee has no car or means to get to Texas, so he starts hitchhiking. Oh. <laughs> now his, there, there's only a couple people that we need to seriously mention along his route to the Alamo. I think that one important character is Mickey, the fugitive. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. He's yeah. a great character. Mickey is the first character that is important to know. He's a fugitive that escaped after tearing off the do not remove under penalty of law sticker on mattresses, uh-huh. is what he tells Pee-wee. We know that that's not true. We know that he is. actually murdered somebody. <laughs> he is covered in blood. <laughs> Pee-wee's too naive to, to realize that it's not true. <laughs> Anyways, the other character that, that he meets that's very important is Large Marge. She's a trucker Oof. that takes him to a truck stop uh, along the route to Texas, and she is a ghost. And when they finally pulled the driver's body from the twisted, burning wreck, it looked like this. <laughs> this part is is actually genuinely pretty scary. I remember I being think. very frightened of this yeah. moment in yeah. uh, in the film when I was a kid. Me too. Large Marge, Large Marge is an instance of a Tim Burton trope where he just like makes very elaborate uh, uh, clay faces okay. for people for like split seconds in movies. We saw it in Beetlejuice. We see it again with Large Marge. Well, Pee Wee meets a number of other wacky characters, and I don't have to go into each individual one because they don't have a, a ton of importance to his journey to San Antonio. He's a very self-sufficient man. He gets his way to the Alamo on his own and 
when he makes it to the Alamo and he does the whole tour, the last thing that he asks is, can I see the basement? And, of course, everybody laughs at him because there is no basement at the Alamo. And that's where his bike was supposed to be. Aren't we going to see the basement? <laughs> There's no basement at the Alamo. <laughs> He's pretty depressed, and he is on his way back to... I guess it's California since he's uh, he's at Warner Brothers Studios and a lot of other movie studios. Oh, yeah. Right. I never really put two and two together. He has one more side adventure that I think is important to mention because this is when he dances the tequila dance. Oh, it's so good. In order to save his life in the face of a number of angry bikers. (laughs) Satan's helpers, to be exact. Satan's helpers. Good memory. That's That's the gang. Somewhere along the way back to California, Pee Wee realizes that his bike is actually at the Warner Brothers Studios. It's going to be a prop in a movie. Uh, but Pee-wee ha- So Pee-wee has to sneak on to the set of the movie on Warner Brothers Studio and get his bike back. And he does so, uh, but not before... And, and he does so, and he escapes, but he also realizes that there's a pet store on fire right before <laughs> he's about to make his final escape. Oh, that's So right. he would have been off... He would have been off scot-free, but he has to stop, and he saves all of these animals. <laughs> he's, he's caught by the police, but the executive, the president of Warner Brothers, decides that he's not going to press any charges because Pee-wee's adventure, Pee-wee's big adventure, is obviously an adaptable movie. A block should be adapted. Yeah. It should be, a, oh, it should be adapted yeah. through a film. That's right. His journey is so incredible that they're going to make a movie about it. <laughs> Cut to a drive-in theater. Mm-hmm. Pee-wee is encountering all of his friends that he met along the way. They're waiting for the premiere of his uh, new fi- of his new film. And uh, of course James Brolin is is in the in the film. I think that he that's Josh Brolin's dad. That's Josh Brolin's dad. It is. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And okay. Jamie, you really like a part of this movie, right, where they reveal that Paul Rubens is also in this movie? Oh, yes, when he is a bellhop and he is a voiceover because apparently the movie executives did not like his voice. He constantly looks straight to camera, which is the best. The film within a film and Pee-wee's a bad actor in the film. Paging Mr. Harmon. Well, that's it. That's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Ta-da! It's an awesome film. Yeah, that was. I know. I really like this movie. It was nice watching. It. I don't think I've seen it since I was maybe like ten or eleven. I, I really do. It really does sadden me that Pee-wee lost fame. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people misinterpret what he got in trouble for. They think that it was some scandalous, yeah, scandalous, perverted thing. But he was in an adult film theater. And he might have been doing things that are inappropriate, but I would say that compared to what has been happening in pop culture lately, it is certainly <laughs> yeah, pretty tame. Pretty tame, <laughs> right? <laughs> and what could have been if Pee Wee had maintained fame and had been in a number of other films? And I, I think that he's definitely one of my favorite actors. Yeah, Pee Wee loses all this like stock as a celebrity. And yet Bill Cosby's allowed to roam the streets free for another twenty years. <laughs> Unbelievable. But I mean, the good news is he recently had another film on Netflix, which is kind of was kind of yeah. a comeback, which I thought was pretty darn funny too. So I, was I thought it was terrific. That. Definitely was one of uh, one of my favorite original Netflix original movies. Yeah, 
And I loved how they didn't change the tone, despite the fact that he's significantly older. Older! <laughs> and looks so much older. Jamie, what is your favorite scene from that new film? From the new film? Yeah. Oh my gosh, the balloon, the balloon part. So he's at a... <laughs> sure he's at a park in los angeles that used to be right by my apartment and oh really (laughs) and he's making these like hilarious you know when you pull apart the the area where you you fill it with air and it makes that hilarious kind of gassy sound amazing and he it's literally it feels like a 10 minute scene and we're just crying laughing right (laughs) and he's supposed to be at an amish uh, town, right? I think he's, oh, he's entertaining right. the Amish people. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and well, and side note, they also had Pee Wee's Playhouse on Broadway. They had a Broadway show before this new movie aired, so he did have a bit more of a comeback, slightly, like as far as like the theater's commun- community is concerned, yeah. a few years back. Oh, that's awesome. I, yeah. I forgot about that. I wish I had seen that. Me too. I wish I would have too. Did they bring back a lot of the characters? Yeah. Uh, like Cherry I'm, and... Missy Vaughn. Everybody was back. Wow. And it was original, wow. some of the original cast? Yeah. The, uh, what is wow. it? Jombie? Jombie? Jombie. Yeah. Jombie, Mr. I don't please, know if Lawrence Fishburne. Was it Lawrence? Please tell me Lawrence Fishburne was I don't remember, but I'll have to look it up. <laughs> in full cowboy attire. Yep. I think that we usually pick different bit part characters, and there were some really great ones in this film. But mm-hmm. there is one bit part character that obviously stands out the most, and that's mm-hmm. Large Marge. So Easily the most remembered. Absolutely. And to, to make it sort of easy on all of us and... And uh, to, because it's our first time with a, with a guest, we're all going to pitch a movie on Large Marge. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many directions you could go with her story. Yeah. Obviously. Totally. She's amazing. She's ama- yeah, she has, she's like Hannibal Lecter in that she has next to no screen presence but makes a huge <laughs> uh, impact <laughs> on the movie. Exactly right. <laughs> that is precisely how I would describe her. <laughs> And they're both played by Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> that I didn't know. Well, well, who wants to go first? We've we've all uh, been thinking about this for a little while. Who wants to pitch their film first? Marshall, do you want to go first? I was just about to volunteer. <laughs> My guy. Mine is going to be a horror flick surrounding Large Marge. So I was thinking about making it like a Blair Witch style film. And, okay. And uh, the thing I would do is... It would be all filmed from a dashboard cam, fa- facing Large Marge. So the camera, the camera would be on the drivers and also on the road ahead, right? And it would That's be a right. horror style film. I think that would be pretty That's cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. it would be great. I don't know if we're gonna pick mine, but um, something that I wanted to throw in is um, she has that crazy face that she does. So she scares drivers, oncoming drivers, with that face. And whatever face those drivers make when they get scared is the face that they use to then scare others. Ooh, so she's just assembling an army of demon truckers? (laughs) That's right. That's right. It's it's quite a plot you have there. That is my favorite part from the Blair Witch Project. (laughs) Right? I like it, Marsh. That's that's pretty good. That's That's a clever idea. 
I All agree. Right. Um, I can I could go next. Oh, okay. If that works for everybody. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of saw Large Marge more as like an antihero, almost a villain. So I saw her as kind of like a, a drug runner, especially because it takes place kind of along the border of the U.S. and Mexico. Racist. <laughs> <laughs> She's running the drugs. All right, okay, okay. Yeah, She's an cool. all-American gal running the drugs. Yeah. So I would want to make it almost a, a Mad Max kind of feel, where it's her against these people who are trying to always take her out. And that eventually leads to her demise is this other, maybe it's like a, a crooked sheriff, or mm-hmm. maybe it's this other rival cartel that eventually does cause her accident. Oh, that's cool. It would just yeah. be a long car chase, the way that Mad Max. Exactly. Is. I like that a lot. I do too. Uh, who should go next, Jamie? I'll go next. Okay. My take, <laughs> if you don't mind, if you don't mind. I do not mind at all. My take is a bit more of a family film, if you will. I, I, I was thinking, I was like, I want Large March to be involved with another character from the movie. Like, I wanted to connect her with someone else. So my idea is that she is actually Frances Buxton's mother. Oh, wow. I actually like that. I like that it's... Double the bit part. Double yeah. bit party. Tell me more. <laughs> well, I I envision that they have you know they they have the high they're living the high life. She's married to Mr. Buxton, mm-hmm. and Miss Large Marge is just not feeling it. She's yearning for a life on the road. She's a woodsy lady. Loves her flannel. <laughs> you know when she decides this is not for me, so she decides to hit the road. And go explore life, but she tells baby Francis that she will be back for him. She will come back for him. But uh-oh, true to the story in the movie, she has an accident. She passes mm-hmm. away. Oh, sad. Just sad. <laughs> and she never comes back for him. So Francis is growing up, left with the, you know, the sadness and the confusion and he ends up going on a journey himself to find her and find out why she didn't come back and i can't really Ooh. think of how it would end but that's where i'm going with well, it <laughs> so i i like this a lot and i yeah. think that i can see it almost flashing back and forward between their two stories her mm-hmm. discovering that she is happier on the road and francis kind of realizing the same things once he gets out there. And I think that one of the last scenes would be him encountering the plaque. That's what I was thinking, kind of. Thinking, like, coming across that yeah. diner or something. That yeah. Be, yeah, and then, you know, he feels a little bit at peace and sadness at the same time. <laughs> so. It's a very uh, deep emotion for that. Yeah. yeah, for that character. That particular character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh wow that is that is deep and moving and I am going to ruin that feeling <laughs> by pitching my film. My pitch takes a little bit from a film from the 90s starring Quentin Tarantino and George Clooney called From Dust Till Dawn. And this is a film about two criminals that encounter a truck stop, but that truck stop is on the precipice of the underworld and it is populated by vampires and werewolves and other types of demons. 
So they have to survive the night because it's during only during dark that the demons are awake. That's about 20% of the truck stops you're going to run into. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> well, my idea is that Large Marge will encounter a very similar truck stop, and she will have to fight her way through the, the underworld. Actually, she is on her way to the underworld already because she's dead. So she has to defeat these creatures, and she has to earn the throne of the underworld. And uh, I was going to say it's going to be like a Dust Till Dawn 2, but they've actually made 2 and 3 and did a series in 2014. So mm. <laughs> they've got that story covered. <laughs> they really covered this story pretty well. I'm going to say that we're not going to pick mine for that reason, but I still like the idea of Large Marge fighting against vampires. Or an army of demon truckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's, that also. Uh we we want to take a, a special moment to uh, to thank Alice Elizabeth Nunn who played Large Marge. Uh, she is a, a treasure in the in the film industry, and she was born in Jacksonville, Florida. Be sure and tell them Large Marge sent you. <laughs> All right. Well, this is this is our chance. This is somebody's chance to be the father or mother of a four million dollar film. Yes. And who are we going to pick? I'm going to cast my vote for Jamie's, not because she's the guest, but because I like the two-bit part aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I think it's the most well-fleshed-out idea, and I think it gives us a lot of room to work with his kind of road trip mm -hmm. uh, in uh, story. Marshall, what do you say? See, I was thinking the same thing. I also like Brandon's. I like that Thank Mad you. Max idea, but I like how fleshed-out Jamie's is. Um, I... I do really love Jamie's. I also like yours, Marshall. I think yours is really cool. Yeah, well, thank like you. That's Jamie, actually, what, what you that's say? my choice. I was going to pick Marshall's because, <laughs> honestly, like, Blair Witch Project was one of the scariest movies at the time in my life that I had ever seen. And to recreate something like that, like trucker style, sounds pretty amazing to me. It is a new take on, a, on an old classic. It is. Yeah. What do you think? This is a tough one. I think that one of the benefits of the Blair Witch one is that it will be very inexpensive to make. Agreed. Uh -huh. True. But will it make us the kind of, of dividends? That, will it make us back the $4 million that we're looking for? Well, I mean, they have to pay us up front for the $4 million. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so we don't have to worry so much about the, the profit margin after the film is released. That's true. That's so right. what do you think? What are we doing? Which one? You want to go with Jamie's or you want to go with, let's see, we have two solid votes for Jamie. Me cut oh, no. half. I like it a lot. I, I think I think Jamie's. All right. Let's yeah. do it. Just because the Blair Witch formula allows for four characters at the most. That's that's true. But also we don't have to cast so many characters. That's true. Well, one we know is going to go to Jeff Goldblum already. So oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> that leaves two people for us to cast. <laughs> okay, well, I think let's let's go with, with Jamie's. And uh, I like the... We don't usually do sort of the human interest drama. Yes. We do a lot of the scary horror action-packed or, mm -hmm. or drug, drug running. We, right. seem to can't, we can't get away from that. <laughs> oh, that's true. So I think I think this is it. I think we're gonna well, go. Thanks, through. guys. Awesome. I hope. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I I you know I hope that's not just because I'm your cousin and I'm the guest. 
No, I mean, Marshall's our brother, and so we don't care about that. And we never pick his. And we never pick his. Oh, no. Actually, we we never picked Landis's, and that's, I think, one of the reasons he quit the show. (laughs) Probably so. Oh, man. (laughs) We're unraveling a big cable knit sweater that someone keeps knitting and knitting and knitting and knitting. All right, so we're going to go with yours, Jamie. Congratulations again. And... I am very curious as to how this film will go. Uh, you want to start us off? A way that we usually do it is we go with uh, we talk about a beginning, we talk about the conflict, a uh, way that that conflict is resolved, and then some wrapped up ending, uh, whether it be happy or sad. But I'm guessing that this one's going to be a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why don't you start us off? How does this movie begin? Well, I think it would be smart to start it off kind of in a way where you see it from two different perspectives. You see it from Miss Large Marge Buxton's perspective as well as um, Francis's. Like, you see Large Marge deciding that this hoity-toity lifestyle is not for her and deciding to leave. And then you, you know, you have Francis coming to terms with that and figuring out that he wants to, you know, take this journey to find out why mom didn't come back. She said she was going to come back. And maybe obviously in the part where, you know, in the opening with Large Marge, you see her telling him, you know, I'll be back for you. Yeah. We understand that's why. I think she should say, I'm going to come back for you because I don't want you to be raised completely in this environment. Like, Mm -hmm. you need to learn how to, like, do things for yourself. Yeah. Like, be a, a real person, not just this... This uh, sissy boy. Yeah, the sissy pampered rich boy. Spoiled, yeah, spoiled rotten. Yeah, and then because she doesn't, that's how he turns out how he is at the beginning of Pee Wee. She should mention the fact that she wants to have this life on the road so mm-hmm. that he has a little bit of a foundation for where to go and what, right. what direction to, to seek her. Yeah. And I can see him holding sort of a picture of a young mother, of his mother, and like he in his, in his mom's arms and oh, yeah. realizing, oh, I, I want to go find, I yeah. want to go find her. And I kind of like something in The Handmaid's Tale that I I see the the film doing is where, you know, you start there and then like throughout the film, there's kind of flashbacks kind of helping you understand why it all happened. Yeah, I think it'll be a a flashback heavy film. I think mostly because it'll flash back and forth between what large Marge, uh, the happiness that she's finding on the road until her untimely demise. And... um, and Francis now on this similar journey, maybe even encounters uh, uh, you know truckers and, and other characters along the way. Yeah. And um, and so he he sets out on this journey, and he has a car that is that the only car that he can get because he doesn't know really how to drive up until this point because he's always had a driver. Yeah. Uh, he gets this kind of old beat down car. And uh, one of the first things that he does is goes, he, he's driving along on his way to Texas or whatever road she usually takes. Yeah. And it starts to break down. And he's, he's struggling so much because he's never encountered any type of challenge or barrier in his life. Uh, and he doesn't know what to do. And I think that that's when we're introduced to maybe a friend of his or an inspiring character, much in the same way that Pee Wee had Joe Maganello. Yeah. In in that this is the person that now makes him a better individual, makes him a better version of himself. Yeah. And and so it's it's a mechanic that helps him fix his car and sets him back on his way and maybe takes part of the journey with him. Yeah. Yeah. It shows him that he could be more 
than what he is. Yeah. Which I think should be the whole point, is, like, this self-discovery, I'm gonna become a, like, I'm not gonna let people do everything for me anymore. Yeah, it's a coming of age for Francis. And and he's on this road trip, this literal path to to being an adult. And uh, I think think that a fun thing would be if Pee-wee kind of trails him <laughs> along the way. Like Pee-wee, Pee-wee's always cared about Francis, even though they've been rivals. Yeah. And he just wants to make sure he makes it once he realizes that his journey is to find his mother. So once Pee-wee has realized that Francis is trying to make a change in his life, he obviously, because he's a great guy, takes an interest and starts to, to go along with him. Yeah, just to make sure that he's, he's safe. And that would give Pee-wee a chance to use all these wacky disguises that he loves so much. Yeah. Mm. Like, I think in a bar, he and Francis could, like, have a conversation. He's like, yeah, I'm just trying to find my mom and just set out on my own, do something separate. And Pee-wee's like, that sounds interesting. Yeah, and a giant mustache. And- <laughs> <laughs> a cowboy hat. Wait, so, okay, so somebody tell me he's he's along this road and he's in a number of mini con that make up his larger uh, coming-of-age story. But what do you think is, a, is a, a moment that really hits home, that he's he's kind of become more self-sufficient? Sort of like in Pee-wee when he's in that biker bar yeah. and he does like his tequila dance. What if we have a, a mirroring thing to Pee-wee where Francis also finds himself in hot water in a biker bar too? Ooh. And Pee-wee's there, obviously, but Pee-wee's like, he's gone on this whole journey. Mm-hmm. Let's let him fix this for himself. Mm. I, th- I think, though, that one one thing that Pee-wee should do as he sees Francis being cornered by these bikers is he bumps the jukebox and actually starts playing tequila again. <laughs> <laughs> like the Fonz. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. And Francis realizes, I gotta do the dance. Yeah, so maybe maybe he does the dance, they warm up to him, and they could say something like, that's all well and good, but that won't fix, like, our dead mother's bikes. He's like, oh, I know a guy. Mm-hmm. And that's because, how the... Yeah, he helps his mechanic friend fix these bikes. Wow. Oh. Very good, Brendan, that's great. Thank you. And I can kind of see the ending. This is something that Marshall mentioned as an important prop, uh, is the plaque about... Large Marge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that when he finally encounters, when Francis finally comes to the Large Marge plaque, then then he has a little bit of closure. And I think it goes back and forth, like we've been saying, between her story, finding the road and and being happy, and him finding more about her. And I think that the last scene is the fact that, you know, she was happy until the moment that she died, and now he has... Closure. He doesn't feel like he was abandoned, right, by Marjorie uh, Buxton. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what I think could be a funny part in this, like to add some some humor, hmm. is like a montage where this mechanic character is because I want him to have a bigger part in the movie, teaching him valuable life skills. Oh, be a like, montage of. Oh, yeah, of these things. Like, like here's how fun. you cook an egg. Yeah. Here's how you tie a tie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's a that's a great scene, Brett. I like cool. that. That's cool. I love it. Yeah. Wow, heartwarming. That is heartwarming. Yeah, I didn't think I could feel that way about Francis. No, I really like that we're redeeming him. Yeah, yeah. I know. I I really yeah. like you know Francis deserves a champ. He's a product of his environment. He sure is, aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> it's a well, powerful I think, message. I, I think that we should should maybe cast it. Yeah, 
there's only a few characters that we really need to go over. I, I have. I want to start off with a very obvious choice. Okay. Kathy Bates is, of course, Large Marge. <laughs> Perfect. Am I right? Yep. I think in my head she's always been Large Marge. <laughs> uh, I, I agree. I like that a lot. Okay, so now I think we need to cast a Francis. I would say the original actor, but I think that he's maybe a little old now. He doesn't. He didn't age as well as Pee Wee. I, <laughs> I think I got someone better for Francis. Okay. Better. Okay. Go ahead. So, what if we go with Eric Stone Street? Oh, yeah, Stone Modern Street. Family. <laughs> ah, that's really good. That is I like that a lot. Perfect. That is a that is a really good casting. Yeah, I feel like he plays that character really well. Love it. Okay, so then we need to so. cast sort of his his muse and close friend and uh, and uh, person, basically the character that Pee Wee had in his Netflix movie Joe and Joe Magnello. Yeah. Uh, but who, who could that be? It kind of has to be sort of a uh, masculine yeah. individual. Yeah. Who is not Joe Manganiello? Du- Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh yeah, well, he's an obvious choice. <laughs> that's pretty clear. Duh. That's a pretty important choice. It could be Dwayne. That's that's a good. But I'm looking through my be- Rolodex right now. Before we before we finally cast that, how is Jeff Goldblum going to be in this film? Right, we forgot. It could be the lead biker. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> The oh, Satan God. helper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, I interrupted, Brennan. What, what were you? You were looking through your Rolodex of I was actors looking through my and Rolodex. Yeah, my Rolodex of one, and the only name that keeps popping up is uh, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. <laughs> my Rolodex, no boy. What have we got? Thanos is to it? teach Eric Stone Street how to be an adult man. <laughs> I don't think it's really a movie anymore if Josh Brolin <laughs> isn't in it. No. It's more <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to seem like amateurs. We want to seem like the real deal. So yeah, it's yeah. I think clear choice is Josh Brolin. Brilliant. That's, that's, brilliant. that's brilliant. Ooh, we yeah. got a we got a four million dollar film on our hands. Yeah, now that we have Josh Brolin attached. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. <laughs> that put it over. Oh. How are we going to use Chadwick Boseman to really rake in Ooh. those bucks? <laughs> we could have the whole Marvel cast because I'm assuming that this movie will be bought by Disney. It's yeah. got to be. Yeah, or Netflix. Either way, I'm good. <laughs> well, Jamie, I don't know if you've ever held a million dollars in your hand, but uh, I don't know if you've ever spent it frivolously on nonsense. <laughs> yeah. But you're you're gonna you're gonna be able to do both after yeah. this movie uh, hits theaters or gets picked up by one of the major film companies. So it'll sweep the Oscars. Yes. What are you thinking you might do with your one million dollars? Uh, well. Boys, I would actually love to create, not myself, pay somebody a million dollars to create a Rube Goldberg contraption in my oh, kitchen, incredible. much like Pee Wee's, to make me breakfast. Every <laughs> <day>. <laughs> that's amazing. That is brilliant. That is the ob- that's the choice right there. That's the right answer. Well, you're going to have to save some of that million to buy the last remaining box of Mr. T cereal. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Oh. Uh, you know what? I I I'm going to I'm going to go off of that and with my million dollars, I'm going to actually revitalize the Mr. T food franchise. Oh. <laughs> yes. And release a whole bunch of new products based on Mr. T. That man is easily as much of a commodity now as he was in the 80s. 100%. What a great investment. That's such a good idea. Yeah. I pity the 
fucking pork fool! Don't eat my cereal! <laughs> yeah, I, ne I never really got the chance to have Mr. T cereal, so... You poor young man. <laughs> <laughs> you did? You had, really? what, what was it like? Can you compare it to anything? Paint um, us a word picture. Okay, let's see. I think it's like a cross between um, pops. Is that what they are? Those cor golden Ooh, pops? I love pops. That's what yes. I thought. Like okay, a cross and what between else? pops and a Captain Crunch. Ooh. I mean, that sounds delicious. And alphabets. And alphabets, yeah. It's like got the. It's like not as soft as pops and not as crunchy as <laughs> uh, I feel like Captain Crunch. Bear. But like in the middle. at the kitchen table with Jamie in the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. Okay, so mine, mine's not as elaborate or creative, but I think it'd be fun to open up a bike shop. Oh. Simple, oh. but I think really fun. I think it would be fun if you only made Pee Wee style bikes. Oh, I think that's yeah. great. There you With go. Like Ex all the trappings. Extremely elaborate bikes. <laughs> Can I just have a normal bike? No, not no. here. No, no not sorry, here. that's next door. Do you have any without tiger heads on it? <laughs> Don't. Get out of here. <laughs> this is tiger head bike shop. Get out of my face. All right, I, I'm pretty excited about my idea, guys. Let me hit you with this. Uh, we have kind of a a history and bit party of adding things to towns whether they want them or not. <laughs> yes. So I am going to make a basement for the Alamo whether the oh. state of Texas <laughs> wants me to or not. That is such a good idea. You're going to build the basement of the Alamo? Yeah. That is brilliant. They can send a cease and desist. It will not stop me. And I'm going to oh. put it, put in it exactly one of Marshall's bikes. <laughs> That is genius. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is really great. You're Car welcome. <laughs> darn, <laughs> darn! I wish that had been my idea. That is amazing. Dang, dude. Hey, you know what? I think I got a little thrown off just because it's been so exciting to have uh, Jamie on this on this episode. But we did not do a very important thing, which is to name the film. Oh, yeah. forgot completely. What are you? What are we thinking? Oh, Twice man. Road Truckers. Twice Road Truckers. <laughs> Twice I think <laughs> Twice Road Truckers is the name to beat. <laughs> that is the name to beat right now. That's on the table. Oh man, that's gonna. That, that's a working title. Uh, Marge's. Marge's choice. What? Marge's choice. Marge's choice. choice. Like her choice to leave. Yes. Like, like Sophie's choice. choice. <laughs> like Sophie's choice. Not even that close. Strikes. We want to draw that comparison. Strikes a different tone. Bad. <laughs> Marginalized. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. I don't think that that paints exactly the same That's the sequel. That's the sequel. Where it talks about the being a trucker woman. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> the glass ceiling of... The glass. <laughs> that was my large marge laugh. Large marginalized. <laughs> uh, that's obviously... A name. <laughs> that's obviously a name. That might be the one to beat now. That might yeah, be the one to beat. I think it is. This that's time. Right. What if it, okay, as much as I super love large marginalized. Okay, as much as I think that would be a great sequel, what if we uh -huh. called this one Large Marge Sent Me? 
Oh. What do you think about that? Heartfelt and meaningful. Yeah. Meaningful. Because it is it, just because it's Francis's story. Yeah, and it's going to be at Cannes Film Festival, so right. it has, it has to, to have a weird title like that. <laughs> I, I like that a lot. Yeah, good thank job. You. Marshall, thank you. Marshall, you did a good job, too. Right? We're going to obviously fantastic. have to create another film called Large Marginalized. <laughs> Large Mar- Marge sent me two Large Marginalized. <laughs> Sorry, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> wow, awesome. Uh, okay, I, I, I like it a lot. Let's uh, let's go with that. Great. I wouldn't sell my bike for all the money in the world. Not for a hundred billion million trillion dollars. Well, I think that wraps it up, everyone. Awesome yeah. teamwork. It's a great job. Jamie, you fit in perfectly. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we just want to thank you again for, for being on the show and being our first guest. And uh, yeah, this has been fun. It's been really fun. So, uh, Brennan, you want to you want to sign us off here? Sure. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. For Bit Party and the Cotta Brothers and our new potential brother Jamie, I'm Brendan Cotta. I'm Jared Cotta. I'm Marshall Cotta. And I'm Jamie Cotta. And look out for Large Marge sent me coming to a theater near you. Until then, we're the Cotter Brothers, and this has been Bit Party. R-O to the Bit Party.